Thanks for listening in to the latest edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. I'm Lynn Wolf, and I'm talking with Ben Garten, who is the Chief Marketing Officer for Garten Tractor and part of the fourth generation of this 10-store dealership in California. I first met Garten at a Dealership Mind Summit event hosted by Rural Lifestyle Dealer's sister publication, Farm Equipment Magazine. He shared details about their marketing strategies, proven techniques that can also work for rural equipment. Garten says the dealership's marketing efforts start with looking at their financial goals and their manufacturer goals. The marketing goals kind of boil down from our manufacturer's goals for the year and then what our financial goals are for the year. So if we have product segments that aren't performing and we need to increase sales, we'll uh, put marketing funds behind those. Our vendors and suppliers also have products they're trying to enter the market or goals that they have uh, given us. And so we will uh, try to get those as well. And that's kind of what dictates how our initial plan is formed. Listen in as Garten shares more about his role as chief marketing officer, how he works with marketing vendors, and what online tools help him be most efficient. Thank you for joining us today, Ben. Uh, We're talking with Ben Garten, and he is going to talk more about what they do at marketing at Garten Tractor. And if you could just kick things off, Ben, and talk about uh, what you do there at Garten and and about your dealership. Yeah, so my name is Ben Garten. Um, I'm our marketing officer. Uh, We have 10 locations now through California, um, going from the North Bay area down to Tulare. Our main brands are New Holland, uh, Kubota, Hitachi, and Takeuchi. Our main market is a specialty crop, so almonds, vineyards. We have some dairy, uh, but that's it for the most part. And then your role there at Garden is the chief marketing officer, which I think is fairly unusual for, for dealerships to have somebody assigned to that title. Can you talk about when you took over that role and then who makes up your marketing team? I took over the role in 2013 after we realized we were having an issue with the local dealerships. So each branch was doing their own thing and they weren't aligning and they weren't really, it was getting hard to police. So that's when I took it over. As for the marketing team is we have several people that help me. We have an inventory controller who does uh, like data entry and helps manage the business system. I have an IT coordinator who helps out with our staff for needs on computers and things like that. And we have several sales assistants. But as far as like marketing projects, we do a lot of outsourcing. So I oversee the contract with the outsource vendor and uh, that's kind of how we do it. So it's kind of an odd setup, but as chief marketing officer, I oversee our marketing, our inventory, and our IT. So I kind of have my hand in a lot of different aspects of the dealership. And then I wanted to just ask about that, the vendor that you brought up. So would you choose different vendors based on the project? Are you primarily working with one vendor? We used to use one vendor and we found out that we get better bang for our buck by splitting it up and uh, going with like sub vendors and uh, independent contractors who specialize in what we were trying to do. Yeah, we just had better luck splitting it up and kind of taking uh, projects that are maybe more IT focused and going with an IT supplier or a digital ad agency than uh, trying to go into the one bucket marketing firm. 
one thing we really like was utilizing uh, online competitions. So if we have a promotion where we might need custom artwork, we might go through an outsourcing company such as like 99designs or something like that to get it done for a real cost-effective amount. In terms of the talking about that, you know, uh, being cost-effective and, and setting your marketing budget, do you have a maybe a percentage that you would set aside for marketing um, each year? Or how, how do you figure that, that marketing budget? And then do you know, just in terms of, of that budget, how much you would dedicate to, to digital marketing? So what we do right now is um, our budgets are based on our prior year's expenditure. So we look at that and forecast if we think it's going to go up or down and kind of stick to that as a guideline. As far as uh, digital advertising, I would say a safe or a good budget that I like to use is uh, $500 per month per location. And that would be all of your digital. So display ads, uh, your retargeting, your pay-per-click, social media boosts, if you boost Facebook posts or Instagram, everything digital is within that $500 per month per location. Do you think that that number might be changing or has that been a, a good solid number for you? I would lean to say that the market, that we should be doing more digital. We have been adding digital things, trying to focus on individual units or slow moving products. So we'll throw additional marketing funds at those items and just try to get some action. So I would say the digital marketing is definitely going to increase in the future. It's just a matter of getting the equipment dealer mindset to change and take some of the funds away from print. One point that you you brought up and you gave some uh, great examples was the idea of um, thinking negative and as a way to um, do better marketing and uh, be more cost effective. And can you share some of those some of those ideas that you have in terms of thinking negative? A lot of times I see uh, dealers that are on um, councils or groups with me. They will participate in a vendor's advertising program or maybe a group advertising program, but they don't. They, they see the top numbers coming in, but they don't get down into details and make negative reviews of, I don't want to pay for this word. This word is searching or popping up and it shouldn't be. Um, a prime example would be if you're trying to advertise a uh, Kloss Jaguar forage harvester, you have to make uh, all the negative words and make sure you really filter out anything to do with the Jaguar car or automotive or animals, all of those type of things. Otherwise you're getting search traffic, but it's not the traffic that you need on your website. Yeah, definitely interesting. There's also the idea, like you've just talked about in terms of that brand, that that Kloss brand, and, and then there's the Garten brand. And I know dealers are always constantly balancing, you know, their brand identity and their manufacturer identity. Can you talk about how you do that balance and, and how you make sure that the Garten brand stays top of mind? On our branding, we have the the privilege of being here a long time, the same geographic area, and all of our stores are fairly close together. So uh, we really build our brand first and foremost through like community engagement. So whenever we sponsor a golf tournament or do any type of loaner vehicle, those are all branded with a uh, garden tractor, our phone number, our web address. So we really get out there and get seen. Uh, our sales staff all have a uh, garden tractor, like shirts and hats that they give away at events or are wearing at events. So whenever we do an event or anything that involves community, uh, it's always branded as our brand and not our manufacturers. And uh, I think that's really helped out keep our brand strong. 
and kind of act as a buffer between requirements of our vendors. So does that mean then in terms of using, you know, co-op advertising money that do you use your entire co-op budget or not based on when whether you want to promote Garten? We don't use all of our co-op budget and I don't think it's really necessary. Um, a lot of our, we use co-op where it, where we can, but our branding, I think within our local community comes first. I think when you're forced to use some uh, pre-canned or co-ops things, it really limits us. Most brands want their brand to be the focus. We can't have all of our brands on display if we co-op it um, and things of that nature. We kind of like doing our own thing, but we do participate and do use co-op funds. And we participate with uh, some of our manufacturers have a state advertising level or a market area, and we'll advertise in those as well. So we try to participate as much as we can with our manufacturers but we just don't use all of our co-op funds. You know, you carry quite a bit of brands. So there are some brands that you're carrying, some short lines that wouldn't have uh, co-op funds available, I'm assuming. So how do you, you know, how do you go about choosing um, marketing for some of those lesser brands, still keeping in mind the, the Garten brand? So with short line, we typically brand our short lines uh, with a major brand. So we'll display them on a tractor in our showroom or on an event or have it be the implement that's being used in a publication we do. So we try to include them, but not make them the focus. And you talked about this uh, just a little bit early, you know, in terms of promoting a certain product. And I, and I know you use the word being hyper-focused with your marketing. And um, so is that is a hyper-focus part of some initial planning that you do when you're, when you're doing your planning for the year? Is it things that just, you know, happen to come up? Or, or how do you work on that? that goal of being hyper-focused when it comes to marketing? Yeah, so our hyper-focus really kind of stumbled into on accident. I got the idea of trying to sell an individual, like, single serial-numbered product just due to the high-dollar volume or high-dollar amount of it. And it it turned out it worked really well. So now we tend to do a hyper-focus campaign, as I call them, on uh, two or three high-dollar inventory items. An example might be a wheel loader that we have in stock for like a large outfit in a couple hundred thousand dollar range. And we will put marketing funds behind that specific unit and just try to get it to move. And we've had a good luck with it uh, online and really exposing that unit to a larger audience. And so how are you exposing that online? Is it social posts, uh, website, all of that? Yeah, so we take our, if we have a unit and we are going to do like a hyper-focused marketing campaign on it, it will get its own uh, web page on our website. It'll have all the photos, the specs, the brochures, everything about that unit all listed there. And then we will run um, AdWords campaigns and uh, social media posts all referencing back to it. And uh, we've had a lot of success and it really just drives up the traffic for that individual unit. Well, that's interesting in terms of, you know, tracking success, because obviously if you sell that unit quickly, you can, you know, you can see the, the direct success. Uh, what are you using to, to measure success of your campaigns? You know, what, are, what is most important to you when you're looking at the analytics? First thing I like to see is I like to see uh, the metrics and the bounce rate not be too high. I like to see people spending time on the site looking for it. And then ultimately, I like to tie what I feel is uh, positive visitors and growth on the webpage back to qualified leads. So I found that uh, it's very quick to get a negative uh, feedback from my sales staff. 
So if I'm doing my job and getting valid leads boosted into our sales funnel, my sales guys, I might not hear about it right away, but if I get bad leads to the sales funnel, I'll hear about those almost instantaneously. So can you explain more when you're talking about bad leads and, and how, you know, how you're hearing about those from the sales team? We've done marketing campaigns before where we used a vendor who maybe had, I don't know how they would have got driven traffic, but we'll have a large traffic increase to the website or to the specific page and then form filled. And the forms that were filled out on our webpage may not lead to anywhere, or they might just be someone who wanted to see if we had a unit there, but they weren't actually engaged with us or the page or the unit. They were more of uh, just going because they saw it or they were bad leads to begin with. So really just make, I qualify a good lead as someone who you have a shot at actually selling the piece of machinery to. Um, and that's my goal is to get those into the hands of my sales staff. And you had made that point too, in terms of, you know, the idea of the, the good leads and the, and your marketing you know partners delivering for you that you really get down into the budget, exactly how they're spending the budget. You make sure that they provide, you know, they're transparent, provide specifics. Uh, can you explain a little bit about, about that? Yeah. So when we deal with uh, our vendors, such as like a Kubota or New Holland, uh, we always try to participate in the programs that they offer us, but uh, participating doesn't mean just paying the money and forgetting about it. We try to be active in helping them design their creative, make sure they're targeting what we feel is the right audience. And then we also critique the campaigns as we see. So if we are seeing um, bad leads come in, we let them know and try to get it to where we are seeing that ROI. And I feel it's really important that as a dealer, you have to participate with your manufacturers just to be a good brand steward. And we are the ones who have to give the vendor the market information. So if you're not participating and sending them back information, I don't see how you can expect their marketing to hit what you're trying to do and hit your goals. So far in our discussion, Garten shares about how he watches his budget for Google ads and keywords, in particular by using negative keywords, and how they hyper-focus marketing efforts on individual pieces of equipment. Next up, Garten talks about how he balances marketing duties with his other responsibilities, and how he makes sure marketing is supporting the dealership's overall strategy. With the idea of you know working with a, with a marketing firm, and let's say it's just it's just not working out for you, and and uh, they're not delivering what you need, and and you had brought up the the point about um, making sure that when you transition, that you're you're taking your 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 kind of your property, your intellectual property with you. Um, you know how do you how do you work that? And is there kind of a list that you use when you set up a contract with somebody that you make sure that you you know maintain ownership of domain and and some other things? Or um, can you explain that process to make sure that you're not losing when you're changing marketing partners? Unfortunately, we've uh, changed marketing partners several times uh, throughout my tenure. What I've learned and what we do now is always make sure the dealership uh, marketing team is set up as the administrator for any accounts that are being created, that are being used on uh, by the marketing firm on behalf of the dealership. Uh, and, the, and I think it really boils down to the dealer marketing team or as a marketing director, you really need to be comfortable with whatever technology you deploy in your marketing effort. If you're not comfortable with a vendor or with a certain process, I wouldn't hire it out unless you are 100% confident that 
you know the technology and you know how it's going to work. Something else that you had brought up in your uh, presentation with the, the Dealership Mind Summit is, is are some of the tools that you use to you know help you do things on your own, like you had mentioned, and, and maintain some of that that control. And and um, you had just mentioned the ninety nine designs uh, recently, and then there's some other things that you had listed here. One being um, Alexa and Upwork. Can you explain some of some of those those tools that you use to help your your role be more successful in digital marketing? During my presentation, I went over, I think, Alexa, which is like your web ranking and how you're comparing to your competitors. Uh, it's really affordable and you can get some good insights there. Upwork we use for if we have to do large database sets, uh, like a numbers or tech or programming type of thing. Uh, Upwork lets you put your payment for the contract and the escrow account. And then a contractor will do the work. And then after it's successful, you release it from the escrow account. And uh, it's pretty safe. And we've had a lot of luck with that. Uh, my favorite day-to-day tool that I use for marketing and managing from sales to uh, dealer standards, um, I use it for everything as Trello. It's really good at managing. Um, it gives you like a bulletin board with cards and you can move them around. We use Trello at our dealership for my marketing plan, for sales pipelines, for shop jobs and pipelines and coordinating between our shop and sales departments. Um, It's been really, really good. And then, of course, uh, Google AdWords. And what are some of the um, best practices that you keep in mind for your dealership in terms of what you learned, what works when doing Google AdWords? When dealing with Google Ads, we just try to be focused. Uh, Don't throw the net too broad. Focus on one item or one feature or what your end goal is. There's a lot of, it gets really easy online to spend a lot of money really quick. And that's not really the goal. The goal is to get a sale out of it. Okay, so then you now you had talked about your role and, and how you're, you're pulled different directions, you know, working on creative, and then you might be uh, pulled into an, an IT uh, project. So, you know, what does a typical look, week look like for you if there is a typical week? And, you know, how do you personally balance all of the interruptions that might happen? Luckily, I'm good at bouncing between things. So in my job role as a chief marketing officer at Garton Tractor, I handle all of our uh, web updates, which is a little bit working at the post office. It never stops. So we have uh, social media. We'll have new units to post online. We'll have online campaigns that need tweaking or reviewing or uh, meetings with outsourced vendors. Uh, Then every day I get a... um, all of our inventory orders come through. So I will check all of our inventory orders to make sure kind of as a a sanity check to make sure we're not getting overstocked or keep a lookout on the horizon for new products coming down the pipeline that might need to make us uh, slow down some ordering we have scheduled. And then through the week, we'll uh, typically have several meetings with suppliers on new programs or any type of issues that come up or arise. And then, uh, I'll check in on uh, dealer standard requirements. Uh, typically, it's like training requirements or tooling requirements to make sure our dealership is still hitting all the um, check marks for our dealer certifications and requirements posed by our vendors. The uh, IT stuff has been uh, kind of heavy on our plate lately. It seems um, there's a lot of movement with uh, the dealer management systems or ERPs. So it seems lately I'm having a lot of conference calls with uh, ERPs and uh, CRMs trying to explore where the best place to go is in the future and uh, if it makes sense for us to switch at this time or what's out there. And that's kind of my uh, week in a nutshell. 
Well, and then, you know, looking uh, higher up in terms of, you know, strategy. So how do you integrate your your marketing strategy with the larger strategy for um, the dealership and, and the goals that the overall dealership has? The marketing goals um, kind of boil down from our manufacturer's goals for the year and then what our financial goals are for the year. So if we have um, product segments that aren't performing and we need to increase sales, we'll uh, put marketing funds behind those. Um, Our vendors and suppliers also have products they're trying to enter the market or goals that they have uh, given us. And so we will uh, try to get those um, as well. And that's kind of what dictates how our initial plan is uh, formed. Is there anything else that that we haven't talked about here that you wanted to make sure to to share and regarding your your digital marketing and and really the topic of kind of getting negative, getting hyper focused, and you know all of those themes? I think the uh, main takeaway for managing marketing at a dealership level is you don't need to be the expert in everything, but you need to know someone who is, and you need to participate. So if you don't participate with your vendor you're going to ha- not have good results. So participate with your vendor, critique the programs, and try to find someone who can help you do your digital marketing. I think that's the big takeaways. Thanks to Ben Garten of Garten Tractor for leading us through tools and techniques that have been proven to move equipment. He commented on how they mesh the manufacturer's brand with the dealership brand in their marketing efforts. He says dealers must act as brand stewards and give feedback to manufacturers about what is or isn't working with marketing and advertising. Without that feedback, no one will hit their goals. He also offers this advice. I think the main takeaway for managing marketing at a dealership level is you don't need to be the expert in everything, but you need to know someone who is. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. If you're not yet a podcast subscriber, our series is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. And if you aren't already a subscriber to our print and digital content, head on over to RuralLifestyleDealer.com and join our community. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.